A new intelligence report shows Iran is not currently developing a nuclear bomb. Should our government soften its stance toward Iran? Also, will Mitt Romney's speech tomorrow night allay Christians' concerns about electing a Mormon to the presidency? And we'll discuss a new study that shows there are more illegal aliens in America than ever before. This is Jerry Johnson Live from Criswell College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian worldview for Christ and culture. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That's one small step for man. December 7, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. I have a dream. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. We will not tire. We will not falter. And we will not fail. Welcome to Jerry Johnson Live. For the next hour, this is your place for relevant discussion of topics in the news and in our culture from a Christian perspective. Your host is Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson. Huron's not a problem, never has been, never will be. All right, that's Mike Gravel, or we called him Mike Gravel here, senator from Alaska running for president of the United States on the Democrat ticket. And I wonder if he remembers the hostage crisis in the late 1980s, he said, or the early 1980s. He says Iran has never been a problem. I wonder if he remembers just last year that they... They took some British sailors hostage. I wonder if he remembers that right now they're funding Hamas. Uh, They're funding the Palestinian terrorist. Iran is a problem. But what is he talking about? He's talking about the fact that the National Intelligence Estimate has just revealed or reported that they believe Iran discontinued their nuclear program, that is for the bomb, for weapons, four years ago. And but that they could develop a bomb in the next 10 years. And um, everyone's piling on to say, oh, look, President Bush has been warmongering against Iran. But here's President Bush. Iran was dangerous. Iran is dangerous. And Iran will be dangerous if they have the knowledge necessary to make a nuclear weapon. Okay, so that capacity is still there. There's still a threat. Here is uh, Joe Biden. He's running on the Democrat ticket. Of course, he's using this as an opportunity to uh, criticize President Bush. Iran is not a nuclear threat to the United States of America. Iran should be dealt with directly with the rest of the world at our side. But we've made it more difficult now because who is going to trust us? Well, that's enough of that. I'll tell you, Joe Biden was one of the first ones to say a year or two ago that Iran is the number one problem, not Iraq. He was talking about how big of a problem Iran was. And, of course, he's changing his tune today for 
for political advantage. Hillary Clinton has been another one who's been saying that Iran is uh, a problem. In fact, she she voted to call their Revolutionary Guard a terrorist organization. And John Edwards now is attacking her for siding with President Bush. Here's Hillary's defense. I understand politics and I understand making outlandish political charges, but this really goes way too far. Uh, in fact, having designated the Iranian Revolutionary Guard a terrorist organization, we've actually seen some changes in their behavior. Okay, folks, what you need to know is this. There were 16 intelligence organizations who went in to write this report, and several of those organizations abstained and dissented from this one statement that uh, Iran had halted its program. They did not agree. And what you need to know is that the Israelis, the Israelis are saying, not so fast. We have intelligence, which would lead us to the other conclusion. And um, we better be very careful, Penna, about backing off in terms of the pressure on Iran. You know, in 2005, this same group of agencies put out a report that said Iran was a threat and they were developing a bomb. So that has all changed in a sense. And we have to just kind of question the reliability of all of this. And also, as President Bush says, our policy has got to remain the same to uh, deter the nuclear threat. Well, illegal immigration looks to be a defining issue in the presidential campaign. A new study uh, actually confirms that the problem is growing, and Stephen Camerata from the Center for uh, Immigration Studies is going to join us later in the program. He'll tell us about this report and why it should matter to us. Okay, and also coming up today, we're going to have our Grinch Report, our Grinch Awards. Later in the program, you don't want to miss that. What school, what business What group does not have the Christmas spirit and uh, will not use the word Christmas? You'll have to wait till later in the program to find that out. But uh, yesterday, we uh, covered the Democrats, and today we're going to cover the Republicans. What's happening in the Republican primary? Uh, A big shift in the last week, and of course, Mike Huckabee has surged to the front. Uh, And coming up in just a moment, we're going to talk about Mitt Romney's Mormonism. He's set to make a major speech tomorrow night on Mormonism and uh, his run for the presidency. And we want to take your calls. The number is 800-881-9270. What should Romney say? Uh, Would you support a man? Would you support Mitt Romney running for president? And he's a Mormon. 800-881-9270. In the next segment, we'll have an expert on Mormonism to come on the line to talk with us. Dr. Phil Robert, written extensively on this subject. But if you're a Mormon out there, and I know we have uh, Mormons who listen to the program, we would love for you to call and weigh in on this and talk about Mormonism and the presidency. But here's what's happening. Mike Huckabee is surging. Mike Huckabee is ahead now in Iowa. And here's John McCain talking about why Huckabee uh, is surging. I think he's a force to be reckoned with in in the Republican primary. You never know how these things are going to turn out, but I'm not surprised that he's doing better. Okay, and uh, McCain went on to say, um, look, this guy, there's a reason he's moved into the lead in Iowa. I think one of the lessons here is debates matter. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt that uh, Governor Huckabee has done well in the, in the last few debates. He's got a kind of a, got a very pleasant way about him. He's very concise. Okay, who do you support? Do you support Huckabee? Do you support McCain? Do you support Giuliani? Do you support Ron Paul, uh, Fred Thompson? 
and why. We want to know. The number is 800-881-9270. That's 800-881-9270. Penna Huckabee uh, getting some new criticisms in the last day or two. Well, he is, but it's interesting because we look at Iowa and we see him ahead. And also the daily presidential tracking poll coming out from Rasmussen Reports has Huckabee ahead nationally, 20% of likely Republican primary wow. voters, three points behind him at 17% is Rudy Giuliani. So that's really big news for Mike Huckabee. Yes, you do have concerns. In fact, many in the GOP are very concerned about his uh, position on immigration, various parts of the illegal uh, immigration debate, and that's going to be the subject of a later segment in this program. Okay, and of course, uh, Ron Paul has been surging. Now, his numbers are lower But he's getting a lot of donors, and he's getting a lot of attention. Mm -hmm. And I want you to listen to this Ron Paul commercial. I'm Ron Paul, candidate for president, and I approve this message. Well, I don't always agree with Ron Paul, but he's honest, and you always know where he stands. Actually, I agree with him most of the time. I really do. He wants to get out of Iraq pronto. Cut government spending. Protect personal privacy, personal freedom. Live free or die in New Hampshire. I'm undeclared, but I'm going to go Republican and vote for Ron Paul. Oh, I'm going to vote for him. Look, the man's a doctor. He understands the health care mess. He's the only one that's really talking sense to the people. He's catching on, I'm telling you. Okay, that's Ron Paul. He is catching on, but not like Huckabee. And he's not enjoyed the kind of front-runner status that uh, Romney has enjoyed in Iowa. He's losing it now, but he still holds that status in New Hampshire. But today in the Dallas Morning News, a major piece by Mark Davis who has a talk show on another station here in the area. And Mark Davis says this, Mitt Romney has no intention of addressing the problems his Mormonism poses for voters in tomorrow's speech. And uh, we will see. I'm going to talk more about this Mark Davis piece in just a moment. What can we expect from Mitt Romney tomorrow night? Here's Bob on the line from Terrell. Bob, who do you support and why? I support uh, Huckabee because he shows that he's a believer of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ being a, a born of a virgin, and uh, that he will be, and he uh, is against abortion, killing unborn children. And uh, I think what Romney needs to do is to come on and state that he believes that Jesus Christ was procreated and that he's a brother of Lucifer. And says that uh, I'm a believe I'm a more I'm a member of a uh, of a um, occultic religion. <laughs> I think he's well, going to say I'm that. Elected president, I will not lead you to the jungles of the uh, Guyana. All right, Bob. Well, thank you. I think that is very interesting, Bob, because uh, you mentioned the Jim Jones incident. Look, it will not do for him to say any more that uh, how dare people judge me for my religion, because uh, we certainly wouldn't want somebody in the Jim Jones cult as president of the United States. We would disqualify them on religious grounds. And so where is the line? That is the question. Where is that line? And we're going to talk to an expert on Mormonism in the next segment. What are the political implications of Mormonism? But I think what Romney's going to have to do is say, look, I don't believe like you believe about Jesus. I don't believe like you do about the Father. I don't believe like you do about the Bible. I don't believe like you do about salvation. But I'm not running for preacher. I'm not running for pope or pastor. I'm running for president. 
president, and I'm concerned about these values that you're concerned about and these issues that you're concerned. That's his only hope. That's his only prayer, if you will. I'm still not saying that I would support him, but if he wants a chance, that's what he has to do. we got Vicky on the line from Dallas. Vicky, thank you for calling and holding. What's your view? Vicky, are you there? Sounds like she's gone. We'll move on to John from Granbury. John, thank you for calling and holding. What's your view? Well, my view is on Romney is that, uh, you know, God will end up putting in the office, I believe, as far as who he chooses. And he's done that in the past as far as with uh, putting the children of Israel under bondage, putting Nebuchadnezzar, and putting the people as far as under that. But I believe as Christians we cannot vote for Romney. Uh, although he has some good values, family values, but that doesn't make him a Christian. And I vote for Huckabee because he has made a firm stand from the beginning, saying that he will not uh, he he will not vote for abortion and those kind of issues. And I believe if you go look at all of the candidates, they all waver as far as on those issues of abortion um, things, as far as like. Uh, same-sex marriages and and those type of issues. So I I am voting for Huckabee, and I believe as Christians we have to draw the line in the sand. And God will end up putting in in our presidency who He chooses. But as Christians, we need to stand firm as force for what we believe in and the Word of God. Hey, thanks, John. We've got another caller on the line, James from Fort Worth. James, what's your take on this? I'm going to have to go Huckabee Thompson. Tell us about it. Why? Well, I've just started uh, looking at Huckabee seriously, and he's getting some uh, real good reviews from different people. Uh, Fred Thompson's no-nonsense, and I think he could definitely lend a, a strong arm in the White House to get uh, some of our, our policies cleaned up. And uh, I believe that uh, both of them can be trusted to do what they'll say they'll do. You know, Fred Thompson is one we haven't discussed today, and he would... I, I, really, logically, he kind of goes down the line with the conservative position on things, and he's got some policy proposals that are good. It's amazing to me, in a sense, I guess it just has to do with the fact that he's come out with sort of a lackluster campaign, that he is not further ahead in the early primary states. That's going to hurt him. He's got money. I noticed another thing about Mike Huckabee. He hardly has any money in the bank. Ron Paul has like 10 times as much money as he does. It's interesting. Thompson said yesterday, we're exactly where we need to be in our campaign. Campaign. He is in a virtual tie in South Carolina. In fact, Rudy, Thompson, Romney, and Huckabee are in a four-way virtual tie in South Carolina. That's where Thompson will have to do well if he's going to have a chance at it. But uh, Mark Davis locally saying this, look, if he'll believe this, that is Romney, what else will he believe? Mormonism has some very weird, kooky, strange beliefs. And if Mitt Romney is a true blue Mormon, uh, he's believing some fantastic, strange doctrines. What else would this man believe? Is he that gullible? Would you have problems voting for him as president? We'll talk about it when we come back. If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. 
Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture and the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with this word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's chriswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. Is America ready for a Mormon in the White House President of the United States. Tomorrow night, Mitt Romney, running for president, will be giving a major speech here in Texas trying to allay fears that conservative evangelicals have about his Mormonism and his candidacy for the presidency of the United States. He has said, Mitt Romney has said, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus Christ. Shouldn't that be enough? Well, maybe not. He's using our vocabulary, not our dictionary. With us to talk about it is Dr. Phil Roberts. He's president of Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. And Dr. Roberts has been with us many times before. He is an expert on Mormonism. He's written and broadcasted extensively on this topic. Welcome back, Dr. Roberts. Hey, Jerry. Welcome. Uh, glad to be here with you. Thanks for having me. All right, Dr. Roberts, I want to discuss this two or three ways. I mean, first of all, we've got to settle this question, is Mormonism Christian? When he says, you know, I believe in God or I believe in Jesus Christ, I think thinking Americans really need to know the difference. And I also want to talk about the political ramifications of Mormonism. And then uh, a local columnist kind of posed this question we want to think about in a minute, and that is, there are some strange features to Mormonism and if this man will believe those weird ideas, what else would he believe? So we're going to talk about some of these issues in a minute. We invite callers to call in, 800-881-9270, especially if you're a Mormon. We want to hear from you, 800-881-9270. But first, Dr. Roberts, is Mormonism Christian when he says, I believe in Jesus Christ? What does he mean by that as a true blue Mormon? Well, Jerry, Mormonism is not Christian, and you obviously hit the nail on the head when you said they use the same word list, vocabulary list, but they have a totally different dictionary, because when Mormonism talks about God, they don't mean the eternal triune God of the Bible, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They mean a plethora of gods, of which one is the God of this world and this corner and part of the universe. When they talk about Jesus, they're not talking about the eternal Word of God, God the Son, as we know from Scripture, but they're talking about a procreated being, fathered by Heavenly Fathers, they would call him in the pre-mortal realm with his heavenly wife. And when they talk about salvation, they're not talking about grace alone, faith alone, and Christ alone. They're talking about being conformed to the Mormon system of laws and ordinances, as they call it. And once you're totally temple-worthy, then you can qualify for the highest level of eternal life. Mormonism is a religion created by Joseph Smith. It has nothing to do with the biblical uh, revelation itself, and it, apart from the use of uh, vocabulary and some symbols of Christianity, has nothing to do uh, with biblical Christianity whatsoever. 
Phil, uh, Dr. Roberts, this is Penna Dexter. Does the Mormons have any sort of a philosophical position uh, vis-a-vis America or American government that we should be concerned about? Well, Mormonism is a theocracy. They believe in the fact that Mormonism one day will rule the world. For them, the millennium is not Jesus coming back and Jesus deciding how to rule and govern. Whether Jesus comes back and all the Mormon presidents, deceased, will come back with him, and they will share in the final judgment of the earth for their own generations in the time in which they were president. Uh, The millennial headquarters will be here in Independence, Missouri. Uh, It will result in the establishment of Mormon temples all over the earth, and so uh, the Mormon view of the millennium and of end times is very theocratic. They also believe that they will have a leavening effect on American culture and society, that apart from the Mormon presence, uh, judgment will befall America, and that uh, the Mormon church itself, in some sense and fashion, will come to the rescue of the American Republic. So in that sense, it is very Mormon-centric when it comes to both last things and to the preservation and the perseverance of the United States. Well, that's interesting. One thing that we all know and we've, we've seen about Mitt Romney is that he's changed his position on things. And uh, is that sort of a characteristic of a Mormon, uh, that, that you would change your position? Because I know the Mormons have changed their doctrine. And I wonder, you know, I see him making this speech tomorrow night. He wasn't going to do it until he needed to, until uh, he saw himself slipping. So is, is this a Mormon characteristic? Pragmatism. Uh, y- yes, ab- absolutely. I mean, Joseph Smith created a religion as he went along, and he basically created a system of theology, including the the view of multiple gods and the, the issue of temple marriage and celestial marriage to cover his tracks and his adulterous affairs as he committed them over his lifetime. And uh, it, it's also the case in recent history. The most recent edition of the Book of Mormon has a notable change in it, uh, influenced by DNA research, which has shown that the American Indians, that the Mormons say were descended from Jews, are no longer uh, proved to be, in fact, they're disproved to be descended from Jews due, due to DNA research. Well, in the most recent edition now of the Book of Mormon, they have changed the wording in the introduction to say, for instance, that the Lamanites are no longer the principal uh, ancestors of the American Indians, but they are among the ancestors of the uh. American Indians. So, yeah, they have to change things as go as they go along because <laughs> history and mm. science constantly proves them wrong. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. We're talking to Dr. Phil Roberts about Mitt Romney. He's running for president of the United States. He is a Mormon. He says, I'm a true blue Mormon. But tomorrow night, he's giving the speech he said he would not give, and that is a speech to, again, allay fears by conservative evangelicals, Christians in general, uh, about the idea of a Mormon being president of the United States. Now, here's Mitt Romney. Dr. Roberts, I want us to listen to him. He's answering a question in a recent debate as to whether or not he believes the Bible is the Word of God. I believe the Bible is the Word of God, absolutely. And I, I, try, I try to live by it as well as I can, but I, I miss it in a lot of ways. Uh, but it's a guide for, for my life and for uh, hundreds of millions, billions of people around the world. I believe in the Bible. Does that mean you believe every word? Uh, uh, you know, yeah, I believe it's the, the Word of God. The, the Bible is the Word of God. 
I mean, I, 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 I'm, I might interpret the word differently than you interpret the word, but I'd read the, I read the Bible, and I believe the Bible is the word of God. I don't disagree with the Bible. I try and live by it. Governor. All right, Dr. Roberts, as we react to that, I want to bring up a comment that a, a leader here in Dallas made. Mark Davis is a talk show host in the area today. He did a major story in the Dallas Morning News, and he's basically talking about um, sort of this false early American history that we get in Mormonism, which you referred to a moment ago, and some of the weird beliefs in Mormonism. And Mark Davis posed this question, that is, if Mitt Romney will believe this, what else will he believe? Is he a gullible kind of a person? In other words, and I'd like for you to just outline for our listeners, I mean, you've talked about Christology and theology proper, who is God, who is Jesus, but there's some weird sort of go-along doctrines with Mormonism. And he said, I'm true blue. I'm not a cafeteria Mormon. And that's code in Mormon speak to say he believes it all. And he said that he's done baptisms for the dead, for instance, in another interview. Talk to us about some of the more kooky, esoteric features of Mormonism. let Let me make a real quick comment on his statement that he believes the Bible is the Word of God. The Mormon Articles of Faith Article uh, number 8 says, We believe the Bible is the Word of God insofar as it is correctly translated. Ah. Mormons do not believe the Bible is correctly translated. Joseph Smith made hundreds of corrections to it and says there were still parts of it that needed further correction, and the Book of Mormon states that plain and precious parts were taken out of it. Now, no Mormon can ever show you where those are, but that's what they state. So he... He, uh, his statement needs to be largely qualified. Yeah, they have a lot of strange views, including this concept of an infinite number of gods, and an infinite number of any uh, created being cannot exist, and we don't have quite time to go into that at this right. point. Uh, but uh, their, their ideas are, are totally eccentric in terms of comparison over against orthodox, biblically-based Christianity. Now, Mitt Romney was raised within Mormonism, and Mormonism is not just a cult, it's a culture. So in some sense, Romney had uh, to either embrace these beliefs or be totally alienated from his family and from his culture and from his support base, not just for running for president, but for his career choices, his education, his future employment, and everything. That's the hard choice every Mormon makes when they decide to go against the grain of their beliefs and say convert to an evangelical position, be saved, put their faith and trust in the Jesus of of the Bible. And so in some sense he's a victim of this belief system. He's now found himself uh, being highly scrutinized and questioned, which he was going to be in in the race for governor of Massachusetts, but he is now, and he can't go back on it because to go back on it obviously would totally alienate uh, his his support base, his family, and and all those that believe in him and support him. Uh, it's that the issue of being raised in that culture, being acclimated to it, uh, conforming to it, that over the course of now sixty years of his life, he's uh, having to pay the price for. Dr. Phil Roberts, expert on Mormonism, president of Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, great school up in Kansas City. Dr. Roberts, thank you for being with us. Thank you. All right, folks, uh, when we come back, you'll remember Bill Clinton was asked whether he wore boxers or briefs, and Mitt Romney has been asked if he wears Mormon 
holy underwear. It's a special kind of underwear for Mormons. When we come back, I'll give you his answer. And we're going to take your calls. The number is 800-881-9270. 800-881-9270. Is there a Mormon out there in Oklahoma, in Texas? Give us a call on the web. We want to hear from you and others. What do you think Mitt Romney needs to say to Mornot? Could he say anything that would cause you to vote for him as an evangelical Christian? It's Jerry Johnson live with Pennedexter. And don't forget the Grinch Award coming up in a few minutes. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. Mitt Romney is a Mormon. He's running for president of the United States. Tomorrow night he's given a major speech here in Texas. Why you should vote for him for president even though he is a Mormon. Is it going to work? He was asked about those holy underwear that Mormons are supposed to wear. And but, you know, his answer, he's really slick. If you've seen this guy, he said, well, some things I'd just like to keep private. <laughs> so anyway, he didn't really answer. Bill Clinton didn't mind talking about that. <laughs> so we've got callers on the line. Marie from Fort Worth. Marie, what do you think Romney needs to say in the speech? <laughs> Would it matter to you at all? Well, it doesn't really matter to me at all. I'm going to have to vote with someone who is a Christian believer. Mm -hmm. But I would like to challenge one of the callers who talked earlier uh, a few minutes ago and have proposed that no matter what happens, God is going to get his first choice for our president this year. And I know that in the long run, God gets his way, but he doesn't get his way in everything he wants, else no one would ever go to hell and no people would ever be hurt. Mm. This election depends on whether Christians will get up and work in elections and vote. And if we sit down and do nothing and especially don't vote, we're going to get Satan's choice for our own president <laughs> and not God's choice. Yeah, we've got a system where we get to make an impact if we, yeah. if we try to. Well, you've opened up a huge theological question that we could do yeah. a whole week or a month <laughs> on. But the fact is this, God either causes or allows all things that happen. I do believe that fundamental prop, God is in control. But one of the things he has allowed, he has allowed the United States to have a democratic form of government, and Christians are to be salt and light. And I believe God would use us to bring about his will in this country in all sorts of ways, and that includes being involved in this election. We've got Scott on the line from Dallas. Scott, what do you make of this Romney speech tomorrow night? Is there anything he could say that would cause you to vote for him? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I don't think so. I think the key for us as believers, what what we need to have an understanding of is Mormonism needs to be viewed, even though I've met and spoke with Mormons, and they really are beautiful people. I mean, some of the best yes. people you'll meet. Yes. But Mormonism needs to be viewed by a Christian the same as we view Islam or Buddhism or any other false uh, pagan you know, teaching. In the end, they all have the same result. They are leading people away from jesus the christ and that is the key they're wonderful people but mormonism is a lie and we cannot have someone who who um gives credit to mormonism leading the country you just can't have it all right scott thank you so much for that that comment uh we've got one more caller on the line tim from forney tim what do you think hey good evening dr johnson and kind of um 
I just moved to Texas here in August from Idaho Falls, Idaho, which is about 90 to 95% Mormon. And being a Christian living in a Mormon area, I got to tell you, I can never vote for this man. These people, um, your guest had mentioned earlier, it's a lifestyle to them. It's a culture. If you are not part of that culture, um, my family was ostracized um, and treated horribly. And the, the Mormon church, no matter what Mr. Romney says, they have a very long reach. I mean, this wasn't even in Utah. This wasn't even anywhere near their, their base. And they controlled everything in this town. And if you were not Mormon, you did not have a voice. And that scares me. That's a little disturbing. If yeah, Tim, I think you bring up an important point. Uh, look at where uh, Mormonism dominates uh, politics and business, and what kind of an open society do we have there? Well, we're going to keep following this story. We're going to follow this speech tomorrow night. We'll report out on it, so be sure and tune in to Jerry Johnson Live for more on that. But we've got to stay on another breaking story, and that is the movie The Golden Compass. The Golden Compass comes out this Friday night. And uh, should you be concerned about it, Penna, you did a commentary on this earlier in the week, and I really want our viewers to, to hear your thoughts now. Just in time for the Christmas movie-going season comes an epic fantasy, a visually spectacular film starring Nicole Kidman and Daniel Craig that promotes atheism to children. December 7th, The Golden Compass opens in theaters, and some people say it has Academy Award nomination written all over it. Well, isn't that a fine way to top off a year marked by the success of several books attempting to persuade the public that God does not exist or that Christianity is evil? Actually, for years now, British atheist and author Philip Pullman has been quite successful peddling atheistic themes to young people through his trilogy, His Dark Materials. The Golden Compass is based on the first book in the series. From all the publicity, you'd think this is another Narnia. I mean, there's a wardrobe, there's a parallel world with lots of snow and talking animals. Each person has one, called a demon, which is really a person's soul living outside their body. There's even a huge armored polar bear, sort of an Aslan figure. But the message is polar opposite, no pun intended. The movie promotion in schools and the places where families hang out, like Target, McDonald's, Walmart, and Toys R Us, is an obvious attempt to capitalize on the success of the Narnia franchise. But ironically, Pullman hates C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia. In fact, his trilogy is meant to counteract the message of Christianity that Lewis so beautifully describes for children. The internal knowledge of God we all have the law written on our hearts described in Romans 2, the conscience that even a child has, these Pullman attempts to squelch. Pullman says he's surprised that the His Dark Materials books have not received more criticism. Four years ago, he told a reporter, Harry Potter's been taking all the flack. He went on to say, I've been flying under the radar, saying things that are far more subversive than anything poor old Harry has said. My books are about killing God. Killing God is not part of the Golden Compass, though. It's sort of a gateway movie aimed at drawing moviegoers into the trilogy. In fact, the film's director, Chris White, admits that the anti-God message in the first movie has been watered down. He says his goal is to ensure the financial success of the Golden Compass so the next two movies can be literal adaptations, more faithful to the books. He said, and I quote, 
the golden compass had to be introduced to the public carefully. The religious themes in the second and third books cannot be minimized. So what do you do? My first choice would be to say, don't go. Don't fund this stuff. If your children do see this movie, be prepared to help them identify the anti-God, anti-church occult messages. I'm Penna Dexter. Amen, Penna. Good commentary. And uh, folks, you want to tune in tomorrow morning to KCBI on the morning show. We've got all kinds of top hot guests to talk about this. And Bongo Rod, children's expert, will be on tomorrow morning. And you need to think about how this movie could impact children. Tomorrow morning, KCBI, the morning show. And then tomorrow night, we've got Brent Bozell and Ted Bear to talk about this from the Hollywood and entertainment perspective. So uh, stay in touch, stay in tune right here to Jerry Johnson Live. You know, it's very interesting. This is a cultural phenomenon that we'll be able to influence others about. I was at a doctor today. He asked me what we're talking about on the show, and I was able to convince him not to take his family to this movie. He had <laughs> no idea. And I think that's something that this uh, movie will allow Christians to do. Well, there's another problem facing the nation, and it's becoming an issue in the presidential campaign, and that's illegal immigration. If you watch the debate among Republicans, you saw that it was really a hot-button issue. And there's a new study out that is going to help us understand how much we really need to deal with this problem. Uh, the study comes from the Center for Immigration Studies. A couple of the uh, pieces of information, the immigrant population, illegal legal and legal, reached a record high of 37.9 million in 2007. Immigrants account for one in eight U.S. residents, the highest level in 80 years, and also nearly one in three immigrants is an illegal alien. Very interesting statistics coming out of the Center for Immigration Studies. The author of the study is with us. He is Stephen Camerata. And Stephen, uh, this is uh, some new information, and it's timely in that it's going to influence the presidential campaign, don't you think? Uh, well, it's always important, yes, to base a discussion on uh, on the best available data, and this data was collected by the Census Bureau in March of this year, so it is very new. Uh, I may surprise your listeners, but most of us researchers think that about 90% of illegal immigrants actually respond to government surveys, as well as the decennial census done every 10 years. So They do uh, respond. They're not afraid to respond? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's essentially correct, that the Bureau does a really good job of trying to find them, the Census Bureau, that is, and, um, yeah, there's not much fear of enforcement. So, in fact, there is some theory, which may or may not be true, is that the illegals kind of like the idea of responding because it's a way of registering their presence in the United States, and as such, they figure, well, when the next day amnesty happens, I'll be able to use that <laughs> and say, hey, look, I was here. But I don't know that we have any direct evidence. We may have some evidence for that, but anyway... Uh, well, would this make the amnesty more likely, Stephen? Do you think that these kind of statistics would make an amnesty more likely or less likely? I don't know. I mean, one of the main points of the studies I try to explain is that the reason that a large share of the illegals use social services, or, um, or I should say uh, the children of illegals are the main ones who use the social services, or the reason that illegal or large share of illegals don't have health care, or the general, say, fiscal problem that illegal immigration creates for taxpayers is mainly a function of the fact that so many of them have just a little bit of education. We estimate that 57% of illegal immigrants have not graduated high school in their home country when they arrive in the United States. So in that context, even if they all had legal status, they'd still be very poor, they'd still often be eligible for social programs, and they wouldn't generally pay that much in taxes. 
Uh, and I think that's really important. A lot of people think, well, it's that they're illegal is the problem. Our research shows, just for example, that if you're a legal immigrant but don't have any education, you're actually a much bigger fiscal drain. Yes, illegal immigrants almost certainly are a large fiscal drain, but an unskilled legal immigrant is even a bigger drain because they still don't make much money, don't pay much in taxes, but use a good deal more even in public services because they're eligible. Why this is important? Well, it does tell us that if we legalized the illegals and they began to use services and pay taxes like legal immigrants with the same level of, of education, then the fiscal costs would likely explode. We'll be right back with Stephen Camerata. Come right back. If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture and the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with this word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's chriswell.edu. You nauseate me, Mr. Grinch, with a nauseous super nos. You're a crooked jerky chucky, and you drive a crooked hoss, Mr. Grinch. Your soul is an appalling dump heap overflowing with the most disgraceful assortment of rubbish imaginable, mangled up in tangled up knots. All right, you're listening to Jerry Johnson live from Criswell College in just a moment. The Grinch Award coming right up. Who will it be? What is the offense? With us uh, on the line is Stephen Camerata. He's with the Center for Immigration Studies. Uh, they've got this new study out, uh, report out, based on census data. It's really showing us how much illegal immigration uh, will cost us, especially if the illegals are made legal. Now, there's a calculation being made, Stephen, right now within the GOP about uh, politically what is the best position on immigration. Uh, they're worried, some are worried, about Mike Huckabee's sort of easier stance on uh, illegals in certain areas. And some are saying that you've got to rally the Hispanic vote and add that to sort of the GOP mix. But then we've learned from these votes on uh, amnesty that this is a hot issue and a lot of people don't want amnesty. So in your mind, after you've looked at uh, your study, what do you think is more a winning position uh, for the Republicans as regards to illegal immigration? Politically, what would be the best thing? Well, it does seem that they have to be, uh, you know, uh, safe enforcement first. That's what most Republicans want. It seems what most Americans want. Uh, and so I think, obviously, they have to say, we're going to police the border. We're going to uh, keep track of people that we let into uh, on a temporary basis so they can't overstay their visas. We're going to go after the employers who hire illegals, and there's a bunch of things we could do. No driver's licenses, no in-state college tuition, no sanctuary cities. That's pretty politically popular. 
And um, actual Hispanic voters, who only comprise about 6% of the electorate, are somewhat divided on the issue. So, and it's not usually their most important issue. In terms of the overall, if you look at the 12 battleground states in the upcoming election, if you take out New Mexico, only about 2.5% of voters in those 12 states are actually Hispanic. So Hispanics probably won't have a big impact on the upcoming election numerically. Um, the question is, what do most Americans want? And it seems that the Democrats are very vulnerable on this issue. And I say this as someone who's not a Republican, that um, obviously make, if, if I were a Republican, I would say, look, the Democrats are the party of illegal aliens. They want them to get legal status. They want them to be citizenship. They want them citizenship. Now, of course, what the Democrats are going to say is, look, I, is what Hillary would say, and so would Barack Obama would say, I supported the president's plan to legalize illegals and enforce the law in the future. Um, that's the, uh, that's what they're going to say. But I think that most Americans want the law enforced and they want illegals to go home. And I, so I would say that that's probably the position the Republicans will end up taking, which is interesting because in the past two elections, the Democrats and Republicans didn't really disagree. Yeah, that's true. Stephen, thank you so much for this. Uh, where can people get the report? At CIS, CIS dot O-R-G. It's like Center for Immigration okay. Studies, abbreviated. CIS.org. Stephen Camerata, thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for having me. All right, folks, it's time. It's time. Are you ready for the Grinch Award? You're a foul one, Mr. Grinch. You're a nasty, wasty skunk. Your heart is full of unwashed socks. Your soul is full of gunk, Mr. Grinch. The three words that best describe you are as follows, and I quote... Stink, stank, stunk. All right, the Grinch, the Grinch Award. And I'll tell you, this one stinks today. It stinks loud and clear. Kmart and Sears winning the Grinch Award. They have intentionally renamed Christmas trees holiday trees or simply trees in their advertising. <laughs> now, you say, well, I don't think this was intentional. Uh, I think maybe this was uh, an accident, an oversight. Our friends at the Liberty Council, and that's out of um, Liberty University a group, Liberty Council, uh, they inquired to Kmart and Sears about this, and Sears holds uh, Kmart, uh, the parent company. Here's the response, and I'm going to read this response. The reason, quote, the reason for our use of holiday tree is due to Sears holding a very diverse company. Here it is. We do not want to offend any of our associates. But also so our associates valued, don't celebrate Christmas? But also our valued customers. Actually, they are offending us. I'm offended. Are mm -hmm. you offended? Mm-hmm. We decided to call them holiday trees. I'm still reading their response because even if Christians are the only religion that uses a Christmas tree, we still do not want complaints from other customers of different religions complaining about our use of Christmas. Now listen, folks. Christmas is a federal holiday. Now, I don't see how they can take this line, but it's, um, it's a double standard here, no doubt about it. 
and uh, Kmart, Sears, winning the Grinch Award today. And you ought to let them know uh, what you think about it uh, if you go to see them again at all. But I'm glad that this show is about the positive and about the Christian worldview. And uh, I want you to think for a moment about a scripture that would get us ready for the true meaning of Christmas. I mean, our theme at KCBI this month is keeping Christ in Christmas. Uh, Isaiah 9-6, listen very carefully. It's a beautiful passage. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Oh, here's the rich theology. It's Christology, really, a doctrine of Christ. Do you see here two parts? You see the humanity of Christ. Unto us a child is born. Two thousand years ago, a baby born just like a baby is born today, fully human. Unto us a child is born, even in birth coming to us the same way every child comes in birth. Jesus, fully human. But he's not just fully human. He's fully divine. He's God, deity. Unto us a son is given. Did you catch that? That verse, speaking clearly of the preexistence of Christ, the child is born. In his human nature, there is a beginning. But the Son is given. The Son is already up in heaven. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. Galatians 4.4, very similar. In the fullness of time, God sent forth His Son. There's the deity. Born of a woman, there's the humanity. Well, Isaiah goes on to say, listen carefully. For unto us a child is born, a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. His name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now we're praying and thinking about these people in Omaha. Eight were killed today. Many are injured. I mean, this reminds us that we have a messed up world and we need peace. We won't have peace until the Prince of Peace reigns and rules and ultimately comes again. Look to Jesus and live. You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live, a Christian worldview radio show. Join Dr. Jerry Johnson, President of Criswell College and Criswell Communications, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m., for an hour of relevant discussion of news and culture from a Christian perspective.